Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and welcome to your weekly astrology forecast for the week of January 27th through February 2nd. I hope all of you out there are enjoying your new divine assignment from the Aquarius new moon. Hopefully it wasn't too disruptive with that square to Uranus. Uh, Remember, it's shaking you forward, hopefully, into some kind of new realization. Um, I'm recording this with uh, a few hours to go until the actual new moon, so we'll see what happens. Um, This week ahead, we have uh, Venus making a conjunction to Neptune. Uh, Mars will be squaring uh, Neptune as well uh, at 16 degrees of Sagittarius and Pisces on Tuesday. On Saturday, the 1st, we have a first quarter moon where the moon in Taurus is going to be squaring the sun in Aquarius. And then on Sunday, we will have a sextile between Venus in her exaltation and Pluto. A couple other things that are happening this week. Mercury is emerging from the beams, uh, a condition where it is making its appearance after being invisible underneath the beams of the sun. So that is an important time to pay attention to some of the themes that emerge during that period of time. And we have a little antitia between Mars and Jupiter uh, on Tuesday. So we'll see. It's kind of a secret conjunction between those two planets that where there might be some things going on behind the scenes that are important in the Sagittarian and Capricorn ruled areas of your chart. So we'll take a look at that as well. Uh, New decans this week, the sun's going to be moving into the second decan of Aquarius, and we're going to look at the six of swords. Uh, Mercury will be moving into the third decan of Aquarius, where uh, it has correspondence with the seven of swords. Venus will be moving into Pisces three, associated with the ten of cups. And then Mars will be moving into the third decan of Sagittarius, where it is also represented by a 10, but this time of wands, because wands are associated with the fire signs. Um, Okay, so let's go, let's dive right into it here. Hopefully things are going well after your your weekend. Um, The um, Venus-Mars square should have perfected by the time you're watching this, Um, and uh, Hopefully it is, hasn't been too dicey in your relationships, uh, but we'll be kind of seeing what, what happens in the aftermath of all of that this week. Um, and again, we've got this square between Mars and Neptune now, so some of those themes will be continued, but from a little bit of a different perspective, from a martial perspective rather than a Venusian one. Okay, essential dignities for the week. The sun is going to start off. Actually, I'm going to share my screen here because it's kind of neat. I have a new little system I'm thinking about for the beginning of the video here. I'm showing a bywheel here for those of you who are just listening in the audio of uh, where the planets are when the week begins and where they will end up by the very end of the week. And of course, a week, <clears throat> in, in, uh, as I am defining it, is going to be from uh, you know very early Monday morning to very late on Sunday morning, Sunday evening. Uh, so we're going to see the sun. Starting off in the first decan of Aquarius here um, at six degrees and moving um, through its exile, uh, it, is, it is said to be um, at its kind of its weakest in the sign of Aquarius. It is a Saturn ruled sign, remember? So the Lord of Darkness is providing for one of the lights, and that is a very uncomfortable position for the sun, making it more difficult to uh, have a sense of identity, to command authority. Um, to kind of, sometimes it can be difficult to find a sense of purpose with uh, the sun in exile. 
it's going to be moving through the terms of Mercury through zero to seven degrees and then moving into the terms of Venus from seven to 13 degrees. So you can see that we're going to be, uh, as I've shown on my screen here, um, the sun is going to be moving from six to 13 degrees of Aquarius this week. And as it moves into 10 degrees Aquarius, it's going to be going into the second decan of Aquarius. Um, and not much changes dignity wise there. Um, it is still in its exile. It's not going to gain any extra dignity by moving into the second decan, but we will discuss the, uh, the card associated with it and some of the themes associated with um, Aquarius too as we move forward with our forecast. All right, Jupiter is going to be moving from 12 degrees of Capricorn to 14 degrees of Capricorn over the course of the week. Uh, it is still in its fall or a, a position where it's at the bottom of the wheel of fortune, so to speak. It is uh, in a, another, pla another planet that's in a place that is not necessarily um, its most comfortable spot. It's a, it's a debility, both exile and fall are, are one of the debilities where we say we have dignities like exaltation and, um, and domicile are where there's resources available for that planet. Um, so Jupiter not, not in, in its best shape. It is still on its own terms uh, from 7 to 14 degrees. But as, as we roll towards the end of the week, and remember terms was where it was sort of setting the curriculum for itself like a, like a, a college professor setting the syllabus for, for what the planet needs to do to be successful or, or the etiquette that is required of it. Um, but it's going to be losing that, that bound rulership or that term rulership as it moves into 14 degrees at the end of the week. So um, Jupiter's getting, uh, you know, we've got one more week where Jupiter has a little bit of dignity. Um, but it's going to be losing that as it as it moves into the end of the week. So maybe get some get some Jupiter stuff done while the uh, while you still have a little bit of um, ability to set the own your own terms. Um, Jupiter is being provided for right now by Saturn, uh, and Saturn is very strong. Saturn is in the third decan of 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 excuse me of Capricorn, and it is in its own domicile and in its own terms from 22 to 26 degrees. Saturn moves relatively slowly, so we'll only be seeing Saturn move from 24 Capricorn to 25 Capricorn, so about uh, a little bit less than a degree this week. Um, so yeah, Saturn's really strong. So the, the qualities of being able to come to terms with the longer term ramifications of our actions of, you know, projects that require uh, an overview, discipline, and doing the necessary work that may not be the most fun. Those things are really supported right now. Um, the quality of entropy is very strong where we are coming to terms with, uh, with our lives as a whole and with um, the passage of time and transitions from potentially one uh, you know, one phase of life to another and some of the things that we have to let go of to, to um, move, move forward in life. So th those are the types of things that are really strong right now, um, being able to let go. We saw this with the Saturn-Pluto conjunction where Pluto was really supercharging that, that essential nature of Saturn. Um, this was part of a much longer term cycle. So um, remember, if you haven't seen any big fireworks or big volcanic eruptions or whatnot, um, just remember it's part of a longer term cycle and, and it's been going on for a while and it's going to be unfolding as uh, Saturn separates from Pluto 
um, for the next three degrees or so. And as we looked at Saturn moving about one degree each week, that this is going to uh, be prevalent until basically the end of February. So we've got another few weeks for that Saturn-Pluto conjunction energy to really unfold in our lives. All right. So Venus will be moving from 16 degrees of Pisces to 24 degrees where it is crossing over decanic boundaries. Venus is in its exaltation this week, uh, and it has been since it moved into the sign of Pisces, where it is uh, also the triplicity ruler by the day. So Venus is, uh, has got a lot of power right now, a lot of dignity, a lot of ability to do Venus Venusian things like um, create harmony, um, like be receptive and be patient and tap into a universal consciousness to be able to receive through our ability to create creative visualizations of what we want and what we desire, um, to, to be able to merge with universal consciousness and spirit. Um, triplicity rulership gives it a little bit of support from the community as well. So we may be having a good relationship with our peers right now as well. That's something that is um, helping us move forward in life. Of course, we're coming out of that square with Mars. So um, Venus got a little bit of a little beat up by Mars and Sagittarius over the weekend. And we might just see the, the, the fallout from that in the beginning of the week, but that's going to start easing, easing off a little bit. Um, as it moves into the second decan, I'm sorry, the third decan of Pisces, uh, it, we're going to retain exaltation and triplicity rulership, of course. Um, and it's going to be moving from the terms of Mercury from 16 to 19 degrees to the terms of Mars from 19 um, to 28 degrees. So that third decan of Pisces is Mars ruled. Um, and it's going to be a little bit more mm, maybe aggressive in pursuit of our idealistic dreams and, and our uh, fantasies. So just be careful of that. Venus is, gets a little bit more um, martial, I guess, in the third decan. And of course, it's on the terms of Mars too. So that that is a double uh, indication for Venus getting a little bit more desirous and, and maybe a little bit less receptive. Okay, Mars is going to be moving through the second decan of Sagittarius and into the third by the end of the week. We'll talk about that. Uh, it's moving from 16 degrees of Sagittarius to 20 degrees. And uh, it is peregrine right now in Sagittarius and on the terms of Mercury from 17 to 21 degrees. Uh, it will move into, let's see, the very beginning of the week. Uh, it, it is in the terms of Venus, but that's only going to be for about a day or so. So Mars is going to get very chatty. Uh, over this week, we may be uh, verbalizing some of our martial desires and our, our, our um, desire to move forward with our belief systems and things like that. Mars is moving through the second decan of Sagittarius where we're trying to unify the body and the spirit and use the body as a vehicle for our beliefs. Um, and as we move into the third decan, um, we may be getting a little bit uh, there's a possibility of burnout. We'll talk about that as we get to the end of the week, but um, that's one one of the things to watch out for right away is driving ourselves a little bit too hard in, in pursuit of our of our material desires that come from a, a deep place of belief, but um, there are limitations that we face 
on the earthly plane, and that is, uh, we are reminded of that with the uh, third decan of Sagittarius being ruled by Saturn, where we talk about our limits. So that may be something to, to explore. All right, the moon, oh, sorry, Mercury. Mercury is going to be moving through Aquarius in the second and third decan of Aquarius this week. We'll talk about the third decan of Aquarius later on in the week. Um, but it has triplicity rulership in the nighttime, so there's some communal support for mercurial things. Um, and it is moving. The, the one thing to watch out for this week is that Mercury is going to be moving through the final degrees of a sign uh, with it being on the terms of Mars and then on the terms of Saturn. So 20 to 25 degrees will be on the terms of Mars, and then 25 to 30 it'll be in the terms of Saturn. And this is true for most signs that they will be uh, most planets. They, are move, they will move through the bound lords, uh, malefic bound lords at the end of a sign. So uh, generally, when a planet is moving through the end of a sign, it's a little bit more um, rougher waters. It's a little bit rougher sailing. There are more things that could create divisiveness or possibly pre be presented as limitations to, to a particular planet. Um, it's kind of got, it gets a tougher teacher as it moves through the end of the signs. Um, so that's something to, to be aware of. All right, the moon is going to be waxing from our new moon that we had on Friday into a first quarter moon, uh, which happens on Saturday the 1st. So we're going to be kind of seeing us moving through getting the, the new divine seed or the divine assignment, uh, mobilizing resources during the crescent phase of this, and then potentially hitting a crisis point at the first quarter where we have to reconcile something potentially materially, first quarter being crises that are associated with trying to bring something into manifestation and all the problem solving that we need to marshal to, uh, to resolve that conflict, whatever it is. Uh, the moon will be in Pisces at the beginning of the week where it is the, has cooperating rulership by triplicity, but other than that, no other dignity. Um, it will be moving through Aries, where it is Peregrine, and then it will be moving into its exaltation in Taurus, where it has triplicity rulership by the nighttime and face rulership in the second decan of Taurus. All right. So that's kind of neat. You can kind of see it all, uh, all out in kind of the laid out from where the planets begin to where they end. And this is a, a little bit of an echo of... Um, some of the posters I, I've been using from uh, the Astrology Podcast and how Chris Brennan lays it out. With, he has a poster where he has kind of a similar thing with retrograde cycles, but I was thinking about this as I was looking at uh, that poster, but also looking at like the ephemeris where it lists the position of all the planets. And it, was, it made it a lot easier for me to determine where a planet's going to start and where a planet's going to end by looking at this flywheel like this. And I thought I would kind of share that on my screen here so you can see you know, it gives a, a nice visual representation of how quickly the different planets or how slowly they may move too. You can see that the moon is, makes quite a bit of distance. It's one of the fastest traveling things in the sky, uh, followed by, you know, I would say Mercury here is moving quite a distance, then Venus, then Mars here, and then the sun. Okay. And then we've got these outer planets that move really slowly, like Jupiter, Saturn, and, um, you know, all the outers like Pluto and who barely move at all over the course of the, of the week. So something to kind of give you a visual reference of how those planets are moving and how fast or slow they are in their cycle. 
All right, well, let's go back to just one uh, chart, okay? And we'll start off on Monday, and I'm gonna move forward to kind of when I like to look at the sun at the ascendant, the beginning of a day. So this is when roughly around 8 a.m. And the moon will be starting out in Pisces. And a couple aspects, lunar aspects we have for Monday, the 27th, is a sextile between the moon and Uranus at two degrees. So in our chart, it's already moved past that. But you can see that here with the moon in Pisces and Uranus in Taurus. So again, the, when the moon in a water sign is feeding an outer planet in an earth sign, it's kind of a, you know, a fertile combination where we may be lending some sort of emotional energy to our, our desire to bring something into material manifestation, or our intuition may be um, useful for us finding innovative solutions. So I think this might be one of the uh, manifestations of this sextile between the moon and Uranus is maybe a, an intuition on how to, to bring about a solution to something that may be perplexing in our material world. At 8.13 p.m. at the end of the day, the moon will be sextiling Jupiter at 12 degrees, and you can see this kind of happening here from this other position. Um, and there we have another uh, water-earth combination that could be leading some benefit to uh, our ability to try to create expansion. But also Saturn, of course, is providing for that. Um, so we may have some intuitions on what needs to be let go of so that we can actually move forward with our lives. Remember, that's kind of Saturn's uh, agreement with Jupiter here, providing resources is how do you consolidate to, to move forward in your life? How do you let, actually let go of something to create, you know, the, or clear the decks for new growth, so to speak? Um, the big aspect of the day that we see on Monday, though, and this is something we've been feeling over the course of the weekend as we were experiencing the, um, the Mars-Venus square, is... We have the conjunction of Venus and Neptune on Monday, and that happens around 3 p.m. And of course, that's been it's been we've been feeling that over the last week or so as those two planets have been coming into conjunction and really having this kind of you know difficult conversation with the god of war, Mars. Um, but this could be something where uh, our our relationships that we have, our ability to um, bring harmony into the world is is being uh, processed through the the lens of Neptune. And anytime that a planet's making contact with Neptune, there can be a distortion of sorts. So our our ability to to visualize um, the dream or the uh, whatever type of oh I don't know dream that we have or, or illusion or <laughs> like uh, vision that we have is going to be potentially um, coming in contact with uh, something that is not necessarily rooted in reality. It may have some spiritual roots. It may have some transcendent roots. But the danger that we have is that it's going to run headlong into something that may not be realistic to manifest. Um, we could talk about this as over-idealizing relationships with its combination with Venus 
could be unclear boundaries. Neptune is the great dissolver. It likes to dissolve boundaries. Um, it could be some de self-deception within relationships. Um, it also could be a very mystical experience of love. Um, this is, could be something like a, you know, like a nun who is married to the divine or married to God where you're having some sort of transcendent experience within your relationships. I think I, I mentioned in the last video that this Mars-Venus thing could be where you are impulsive about getting involved in a relationship because of your desire nature. It could be like a, a one-night stand or something where you're really idealizing and getting sucked into uh, the illusion of some new romantic partner where platonic and sexual feelings could be blurred. And you know this could be the, the wake-up afterwards, right? And you may, may feel like, oh my goodness, uh, I, I really didn't, uh, understand the reality of this before I got involved. Um, so that could be uh, what we could be experiencing. Also could just be like a mirage or something that we're, we're attracted to or feeling a, a lot of desire for escapism as well. Um, you know, Pisces is uh, kind of about seeking a spiritual ideal throughout all three of the decans really um, and trying to pursue it's like leaving material behind you could see that in the eight of cups where we saw a figure leaving um the the cups of attainment and searching for for maybe some more uh spiritual meaning and this is uh something that we see throughout pisces and with venus there we're just maybe we're desiring for more and we may we also this also could be some feelings of disappointment some disillusionment with our relationships where we really had this kind of, oh, I don't know, this picture where we got involved with uh, over putting something on a pedestal, so to speak. And then when the reality starts to come uh, to the forefront, which it always does as we, as we learn in this material reality, that, that could lead to some disappointment because there's a gap between your, your spiritual reality and, and how it can manifest into form. Um, remember, according to Plato, those forms were flawed, right? They were maybe based on some idealized form, uh, but when we have, when we're producing copies of those in this material reality, there, it, there's by necessity there's some kind of flaw associated with it. So uh, that's something that we could be experiencing on Monday. All right, on Tuesday, let's go forward to Tuesday here. Now I want to tell you also that. One of the things I've been meditating on over the course of the week is that these bigger cycles that we're experiencing, these outer planet transits, uh, even stuff with like Mars and Venus, I mean, with really every planet, they're part of a bigger cycle. And when we have a square, that is sort of like the first quarter moon of that particular cycle. Every single pair of planets has a sort of synodic, I guess you could call it, synodic, I'm not sure if that's particularly associated with the sun, um, but you can think of it as like every two planets have a, a seed that is planted at their conjunctions. So we have to look at this Mars-Neptune or this Venus-Neptune as being the first quarter square of that relationship, all right? And we, we can trace back some of these, uh, the events of what's going on now to where the seed was planted when these two planets came into conjunction. 
So one of the things that I would encourage you to do is that now we are having the seed planted for a new Venus-Neptune conjunction. So pay attention to what kind of romantic illusion is, is you know, being presented to you because eventually Venus will move into a square with Neptune when it moves into Gemini. And that's really coinciding with Je that Venus retrograde this year too that's happening in June. So that's something to really pay attention to. And eventually Venus will make an opposition to Neptune from Virgo. Okay. And then there will be a last quarter square where Venus is in uh, Sagittarius, right? So you see the cycle, the phases that it's going through. And I think it's just kind of important to kind of realize that, that whatever you're going through, if it's a square, think of it like a first quarter moon. You, and you can witness this over the course of a month. A lot of the times we get the seed impulse at the new moon. And then it takes some, some challenging effort to manifest it into the full moon phase, right? The full moon phase. We always have some kind of like, I don't remember if this is the correct version of the whichever way the moon is facing. I think it may be like that. Um, and then we have another, whoops. <laughs> I'm really screwing this up on my screen, but this is the first quarter where the moon and the, the light is kind of like equal to the dark in the sky. Okay, I think it may look like that. Um, and then we have the last quarter where the moon is releasing its light. Okay, and I think it may look like this. It could be opposite. I'll have to look that up. Okay, but that's true for these other cycles as well. So just pay attention to what seed may be planted in this Venus-Neptune conjunction cycle. Uh, because we're always within that, you know, grander narrative of, of the planetary stories. All right? And I think that's really a great way to look at it because a lot of times when we're going through these tougher aspects like oppositions and squares, if we know the seed of where those uh, challenges started, it'll give us a lot greater perspective on dealing with, with figuring out what the actual solutions are and what we were actually trying to achieve at the beginning. And what could, like with this Venus-Neptune at the first square, when Venus goes retrograde, it could be really instructive uh, to say, well, what illusion was I under when Venus and Neptune came together? What dream or ideal did I have that now is, is creating some sort of conflict? All right, so, so think about that as you go through the week. Um, so on Tuesday here, let's go to Tuesday. Um, we'll talk about the lunar aspects first. The moon is going to be making a square to Mars. Um, so you can see this here between those two Jupiter-ruled signs of Sagittarius and Pisces. So echoing the uh, Venus-Mars square, this is kind of the ripple effect and kind of lighting that up again. And we may be just, like I said, dealing with the fallout of, of any choices or conflicts that we had over the course of the week, last week. Um, the moon will be conjoining Neptune at 4.33 a.m., you know, very shortly after the square with, with Mars. So again, lighting up both of those planets and the the combination of the romantic illusion coming into conflict with the martial willpower. And then the moon will be making a conjunction to Venus at 6.01 a.m. Um, in the evening, the moon will be sextiling the Capricorn planets uh, with um, Venus, I'm sorry, the moon making a sextile to Pluto at 5.20 p.m. 
and then sextiling Saturn at 8.08 p.m. So this is going to light up. I like to think of this as lighting up the, you know, the, the out, more outer, longer-term themes. So we're going to get a little bit of a progress report on the Venus-Mars square that we just experienced. And then we're going to have the moon lighting up the Saturn-Pluto conjunction. So just take a look at those three areas of your life, the Sagittarian um, house, the Piscean house, and then the Capricorn house to kind of see what the moon is going to be, what, what note, what, um, I used to describe this as a music box tying, the, the moon being the spinning cylinder that has little spikes on it that's striking the notes of the music box. So the moon will be moving through the zodiac and striking the notes of those transits and kind of bringing them to our awareness or bringing them into being again. So that's something to look out for. On Tuesday, the big uh, non-lunar aspect of the day is the perfection of the square between Mars and Neptune. So Mars just squared Venus, and now it is uh, squaring Neptune, okay? And this happens at 16 degrees. You can see I've already kind of gotten this. Uh, my chart is past it. This happens at 5.34 a.m. Um, and I want to show you exactly uh, the – I'm going to go through my chart here and kind of demonstrate that concept that I showed you before that I was talking about before because um, I want you to kind of do a little bit of reflecting and homework this week when you're reflecting on some of these. So the seed of this cycle, I'm going to go back to uh, December of 2018. And you can see here that Venus, I'm sorry, Mars and Neptune were in a conjunction with one another. And this was exact, and this isn't exact on my chart here, but I'm just going to paint in broad brushstrokes here, at the 7th of December is where those two planets came together and the seed of whatever conflict we may be experiencing was planted, okay? And um, I, I went back and looked through all my journals and I had some stuff going on with my, my home and my, uh, you know, um, some things where I, I rent. So there was some stuff going on with like my landlord and stuff and the, the seeds of something that kind of came to a head at the uh, around uh, April of 2019. And now there's another kind of point in the cycle that's coming to a head with a, you know, our, our lease is up for renewal. So we're kind of going through the negotiating part of that. And it all, I can all see it reflected in the seed of what was planted there. And uh, without going into too many specifics, um, there, you know, just know that, that the, whatever that you're experiencing this week had its root at the beginning of this cycle. And let's, let's look at the, let's move the chart forward again too, because I want to show you the, the other dates. Okay. So you could see that on 12-7, we had the conjunction and around April of 2019, we had the square. Okay. So this was exact on April 26, 426. There's the square. The, that is the first quarter square of that particular Mars-Neptune cycle, where you may feel there's just a... Uh, the, the general themes with Mars-Neptune could be um, a sense of futility, uh, losing our willpower a little bit. It could be a lack of confidence. Remember... Neptune is a dissolving quality 
and Mars is our, our, our ability to take action. So there may be some confusion on how to move forward and how to take action in your life. You may feel a sense of like, mm, I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, there could be just a lot of details that are getting uh, mashed up together that are very confusing. Um, I, I wrote down holy wars. There could be something where your belief system and what you really believe in is, is really in coming into conflict with how you take action out in the world. Um, there could be secret harmful actions that happen as well. Uh, there, this could be kind of a, 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 an aspect where it kind of pours cold water over the martial heat. Um, and and, and in the own, my own cycle with this, just to give you a little bit more context, uh, there was some kind of, uh, you know, I don't know, some repair that was happening with um, the landlord of my house. And it was very difficult. It was a very difficult process. And I think that was maybe the last straw in them saying, we don't really want to do this anymore. And they end up selling the house. And at this square, I think this was one of the times where the, it became apparent that uh, the house was going to be sold. And I think we were, it was revealed to us at the, the new moon conjunct um, Uranus uh, in, in the Taurus world sign there. And, and then, you know, there was an opposition, I think. Uh, the opposition was at the 14th. 914, okay, between um, Pisces and Mars in Virgo. Um, and then there is going to be that square, this last quarter square. And here we're signing, you know, we're at the point where we're signing the next lease with the, the new people, right? So you could kind of see, I, could, I was tracing that because I was like, what was going on there? And there was just kind of a big thing going on with just something with, uh, something with a shared resource and just to give you even more context i'm a leo ascendant so the seed of this was in the eighth house of resources you share with somebody else and that that could be a, an apartment that is owned by some by somebody else so that's that's very interesting to see how that has all played out and i'm sure that if you go over in your own life you can see that so the conjunction was at the, the 7th of december the first quarter square was at the 26th of April 2019, and then the opposition was at the 14th of 2019. Okay, so try this. Try this technique with other planetary conjunctions too, because we're going to be, you know, seeing a bunch of stuff that that this happens all the time. So anytime you see a conjunction, be like, ah, that's a new a new synodic cycle or a new new planetary pair cycle, and I'm going to trace this out. Okay, and and look at uh, the other thing you can do too is. When the planets are coming into conjunction with one another, uh, look at what is being released from the old cycle too, because that could help you to, to consolidate whatever seed that you need to for and give you the resources needed to, to move forward in the next cycle. All right. So now just to play this out into the future, let's play this game real quick. All right. So let's look at now. I know we're taking a while on this, but this is a cool, this cool concept that I thought was really neat. I wanted to share with all of you this week. So we see that, that we've got this square coming here. Now, when is the next conjunction? Because this is when it will, will resolve itself, whatever we're going through. Okay, look at this right here. Okay, here we have another conjunction about the middle of June. Okay, so we see days, the exact conjunction that we're going to see is around here 
around June 12th, right as as Venus is making that that retrograde cycle. So we've got uh, we, we're going to see the 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 culmination of whatever we're experiencing around the 12th of June. Okay, so that's what you're if you're feeling like you've got some kind of uh, dissolved willpower at this point, um, you know. I'm not going to say it's going to resolve itself by that period of time because there will be some retrograde planets. But for this particular conflict, you, you, that may be the resolution point, and then a seed will be planted for something else. Okay, all right. And the themes may not be that much different because the conjunction's happening in Pisces again, but it is in a different decade and it has different uh, relationships to other planets as well. So we'll see what happens. All right. The other thing that's going on. I'm going to go back to my screen here and uh, go back to Tuesday is Mercury is going to be moving into the third decan of Aquarius. And we're going to discuss that a little bit here. So Mercury, of course, has triplicity rulership by the nighttime. So it has a little bit of communal support. So we may be having some productive conversations or being able to do commerce with large groups of people that is supported right now. Um, the third decan of Aquarius was called The Knot in 36 Faces by Austin Kopic futility by the book of toth uh, and unstable effort by book t and the the card that's associated with this is the seven of swords okay so i'll stop my share for a minute here and we can look at the seven of swords all right so the seven of swords here it sees a man that is absconding with a number of swords from a campsite kind of in secret um, he is looking back and maybe reflecting on uh, what he left behind. Uh, so there is some themes associated with leaving the known behind and going completely into the unknown. If in the second decan, okay, we always have to look at this as a narrative. In the second decan, we saw uh, two figures kind of bridging a river. So they're bridging the the distance between what they had been experiencing before and, and kind of moving and journeying to the unknown. But now the figure is completely abandoning things and kind of trying to figure out what to take with him to the next cycle, right? Uh, so this could be a period of time where you are potentially severing ties with something, where a sense of dissatisfaction with where you're at, you remember this is the place of uh, the sun's exile, right? This is a Saturnian place where we are coming to terms with limitations, where we're searching for a new order, a new, a new structure that may be more outwardly manifested because Saturn is in a diurnal masculine sign. It's more visible. So this is, a, this is something where you could see yourself um, questioning. Um, and you, you've been going through this questioning process with Mercury in this this sign in general, this may be the point in time where uh, you're leaving something behind and then figuring out what you take with you and what you are, what you're leaving and what, what needs to stay behind. Okay. Uh, there is a, a, a point where you may be paying debts uh, and salvaging value. Um, this could be something where you have a lot of detachment too. This could, could be a, a really great time to get some objectivity because you may not have as much of a personal stake anymore in uh, what you were trying to do. Uh, you, you've, you're ready to move forward and you're not as attached to the outcome 
Okay, so th this could be a, a great time to really have a scientific mind where you're trying to observe all of the you know qualities that uh, of whatever mercurial things that you were experiencing. You could see this is also going to be related to the Virgo area and the Gemini area of your life. So in this Gemini rising chart, this is a fourth house, first house uh, axis here where Mercury in the ninth house, maybe they are changing their belief system and leaving behind an old belief and it is having a dramatic effect on who they, who they see themselves as a person, first house, or their body uh, or their identity and their roots or how, where they choose to live potentially like a, a Gemini rising, let's just make up a story where they're moving abroad, right? Or they're thinking about moving abroad or taking a journey, or maybe they took a trip somewhere, a pilgrimage that really changed their perspective on who they were and, and their roots, okay? You can see that that is providing for both of these houses, okay? So that's something to keep an eye on. And I just do like to do one example for a specific chart. So you can do this with your own chart and your own rising sign. And and for those of you who know how to do some astrology out there, that's, this is a great way to get some practice. One other thing I want to mention that I've been learning from my teacher, Achyuta Bhava Das, from Nightlight Astrology, and, and from uh, folks like Robert Schmidt and Robert Hand and those Project Hindsight cats, was, uh, and the ancient authors, I guess, not just those people, they're drawing from those ancient source, source texts, is that the planets, when they're moving around the zodiac, all these transits are well and good, but they are activating whatever natal promise you have in your own chart. And that's important to remember. If Mercury, let's say Mercury is hanging out on your Venus, and you're like, ooh, this may be something that's you know, bringing some, oh, I don't know, some communication to relationship matters. Um, if Venus is in really bad shape, uh, that could be activating some of the more difficult things that you are already experiencing in your life. Same thing with benefics and malefics, you know, transiting your, your personal planets. Let's say you have uh, Mars, or I'm sorry, let's, let's do a benefic one. Let's say you have Venus um, conjoining your natal sun, and you're like, ooh, that could be bringing me some goodies. Well, if your natal sun is in Aquarius or Libra and it's in its fall or in its exile, squaring Pluto, <laughs> that may activate uh, through, through relationships, Venus, some of the uh, limits and boundaries that you experience and, and perhaps the feelings of being ostracized with the sun uh, in, in its exaltation, I'm sorry, in its exile or in its fall, can, you know, squaring that Saturn. So be, be aware of that. that um, and this is something that, that Robert Schmidt really hammers home is that those transits are, are only able to activate the natal promise in the chart, okay? So the, 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 the snapshot of the sky when you were born is the potential of the chart. Now, you can, you can move through that gracefully, and you can maybe uh, make some choices within that scope that may either be more or less painful or, or more or less beneficial. But generally, ancient authors was like, this, this was the... the the container of your life and you're working within these challenges. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't learn stuff from it and that you can't, uh, you know, benefit on a spiritual level, even if you have something that looks materially bad on the surface. That's when we really have to double down on we are not our chart. We are the center. We are the spirit that is experiencing the chart. 
right? And this is all just cycling around over and over and over again, hopefully helping us to, to learn through the, the ups and the downs, okay? So remember that when you go through your chart. This is something that I talk about with clients too is, you know, even if you have an awesome uh, benefic transit or, or a challenging one, it's just activating the themes that you've had going on in your life since you were a small child, a baby even, okay? And this is a great way to just to get to know yourself through these transits, right? Sometimes you get to know yourself through a, a little bit of a mm, harmonization of some of the more difficult things. Um, and sometimes you get to know yourself through um, a little bit more difficult transits of even good things in your life. Sometimes there's things where we are experiencing uh, a little bit of hardship in something that's normally good in our life. So it can work both ways. On Tuesday, the other thing that we're seeing in the sky here is what's called an antitia between Jupiter and Mars, okay? So the, an antitia is an interesting concept, and I don't want to spend too much time on this because I've already spent a lot of time on the synodic cycle, but the basic gist of it is that we have two points in the sky, two solstice points, the winter solstice, which happens here, and the summer solstice, which happens here, okay? At the, uh, the winter solstice happens as the sun is ingressing into Capricorn and the summer solstice as the sun is ingressing into Cancer. Um, and there is an equal amount of daylight on, the, or there are points where there are equal amount of daylight on either side of the solstices. And you can find this by adding up the number of degrees, so let's say in Gemini and Cancer, and they have to add up to 30. So like five degrees Gemini would equal the same amount of light as 25 Cancer, right? Same thing here. We have 12 degrees Capricorn, same amount of light as roughly 18 degrees Sagittarius. So you can see that this, and this fans out too. There's antitias uh, for, you know, Aquarius and Scorpio, Libra and Pisces. And then on the other side, you've got Taurus and Leo and then Aries and Virgo. Does that make sense? Okay. And these are thought of by ancient authors as secret conjunctions. So we're seeing this secret relationship between Venus, I'm sorry, between Jupiter and Mars this week. Um, and you can see that uh, Jupiter is in, I'm sorry, Mars is in Jupiter's sign. So there is this kind of, oh, I don't know, Mars is the one that is being provided for by Jupiter and Capricorn, where it's in its fall, and Jupiter is being provided for by Saturn. So wherever this martial conflict that we are seeing between Neptune and, of course, with Venus, has its root in the Capricorn-ruled area of your chart here. And this is where some of these things are being provided for because Jupiter is providing both for uh, the planets in, in Pisces and the planets in Sagittarius because it rules both Pisces and Sagittarius in the traditional system. So really look to that uh, Capricorn house for where the, the seed of this a potential conflict is coming from, okay? So that's your divine assignment for this week. And uh, 
yeah, that could be something where you there may be a little bit mm, Jupiter and Mars conjunctions can speak to being overly aggressive, um, self-aggrandizement, um, being a little bit arrogant. Uh, so there may be some roots with that. Try not to get too bent out of shape about your belief systems with this Antitia. Even if it's behind the scenes, this could be where you're like feeling affronted and feeling disrespected, like, but you're kind of keeping it to yourself and that's breeding the seeds of discontent. So just be careful with that this week. All right, let's move forward on to Wednesday. Wednesday the 29th. Okay, Wednesday the 29th, there are no exact aspects. Um, the moon is moving through a crescent phase and moves from the sign of Pisces into the sign of Aries, where we might start to feel just some of the moon squares between uh, Aries and the planets in Capricorn, okay, Saturn and Pluto and Jupiter. So there may be just, you know, and the, the moon has a much wider orb, uh, I believe its orb is like 12 or 13 degrees of, of application. Um, so we'll start feeling lunar things sooner than we would other planets coming into contact with, with uh, planets via aspect. So we may feel a little bit of the tension starting to rise on Wednesday, even though there's no exact aspects. And then some of those things are going to come to a head Thursday and Friday. And this may be in the Aries ruled area of your chart and the Capricorn ruled area of your chart. All right, so let's move forward to Thursday. On Thursday, the 30th, moon will still be in Aries, crescent phase. Um, lunar aspects for the day, the moon will be making a sextile to the sun at 2.49 a.m. at 9 degrees of uh, Aries and Aquarius. Okay, so some kind of, uh, you know, we may be able to assert ourselves with this moon being in Aries and have that be uh, the the match that lights the the air of our ideas um, with the sun in Aquarius. So a, a fire-air combination is in a very kind of explosive or, you know, it's the ignition switch, so to speak. Um, and then we're going to be seeing a, a square from the moon to Jupiter at 9.54 a.m. at 13 degrees of Capricorn. Okay, so this, this again is going to be, um, you know, potential uh, dicey situation where we're trying to expand and we're feeling very willful about it. Um, again, this is going to be making a trine. The moon's going to be making a trine to Mars and Sagittarius too. So we may really feel like taking action. And before we have to take action, we have to kind of come to terms with the Jupiterian limitations, the jovial limitations with Jupiter being in Saturn sign. And once we work out the conflict, we may be kind of full steam ahead as the moon hits, um, hits Mars. So if there's any kind of negotiation that you have to make, uh, it may start to, to lighten up a little bit as the moon moves past the square with Jupiter and into the trine with Mars. All right, the other thing that's going on uh, this, on this day, on Thursday, we have two planets moving into new decans. Uh, first, we have the sun moving into the second decan of Aquarius at 10 degrees and then um, Venus moving into the third decan of Pisces at 20 degrees. So let's talk about one, though, each of those one at a time here. Let's start with the sun moving into Aquarius 2. Now remember, Aquarius 2 was associated with the six of swords, 
where we're seeing a, a couple transitioning from one place to the next. We talked about this a little bit as Mercury went into uh, Aquarius 2 last week. But again, this was called Heaven and Earth by 36 Faces, Austin Kopic, Science by the Book of Toth, and Earned Success by Book T. Um, this is straddling. Uh, one of the things that Austin says is, I like this, so I'm going to quote him. He says, straddling the orthodox and the bizarre. It's like uh, we're kind of, we've got all these new innovative ideas, but we're not completely willing to leave the security of the old way of doing things yet. So we're trying to figure out how to transition into the new the new ability to, to manifest something in the new way. And that can be a little challenging at first. We're bridging realms. Um, it, this is a Mercury-ruled face, and Mercury is able to hold dualities. Uh, last week, I talked about Mercury being able to be both the exaltation and the domicile ruler of Virgo, and it's because it was able to hold both types of oppositions, the ones that were of the nature of the sun and the ones that were of the nature of the moon. Um, and if you want more information on that, go back to last week's video. Uh, but that's so this is the Mercury ruled face where there might be a lot of communications, there might be a lot of movement, there might be a lot of commerce that we're trying to do, Mercury ruled commerce. So think about that. That's something that could be manifesting with this. Um, this is interesting too. Uh, one of the things that I liked in, as I was doing my research was Austin was talking about uh, the difficulty that the sun has in Aquarius because we may be trying to figure out a new identity because we are, we're trying to innovate. We're trying to hover over our lives and, and see how our solar identity fits into the collective. And uh, this could be a point where we're trying to figure out um, who we are and we have some confusion over that and we might start to define ourselves by what we are not. And I, I thought that was really brilliant, the way that he described that. Because instead of saying, yes, I am this, which is what Leo is kind of all about, saying, I am. Um, Aquarius is all, the sun in Aquarius is like, this is what I, I'm not. I'm going to rebel against this. And you could define yourself based on what you are trying to reject. Remember, Saturn was the concept of exclusion. And sometimes when we see Saturnian, uh, you know, Saturn and Aquarius and, and, and the sun in Aquarius and all this stuff in Aquarius. Saturn is the masculine ruler of Aquarius. And we see revolutions happening because people are rejecting something. They're saying, we will no longer put up with this order. There needs to be a new order. And we may see this in the collective where people are saying, this is messed up. We're not going to put up with this anymore. We're not going to be defined by this old system. This needs to decay and to crumble and to, to move forward into something new. So we may really see that with, you know, and you could see this with the news too, with all the stuff's going on in the news. We've got lots of potential abuses of power and old systems. Uh, the other thing I wanted to point out too, as far as just current events, as I was reading the news yesterday and today was the, the Trump administration rolling back decade-long um, uh, regulations for our water systems and Pisces being uh, Pisces and Neptune being associated with with uh, poisons okay Neptune in particular being associated with toxicity and Mars coming into a square with Neptune uh, and over the course of this last week and then basically the Trump administration deregulating all of the <laughs> the way that we can uh, farmers or or mostly corporations can dump um, pollutants into the water systems 
I thought that was a really interesting manifestation of Mars squared Neptune. And, and that may be something where, where as a collective, we say, wait a second, this is not what we want. We're going to f- define ourselves uh, based on rejecting that practice. And I hope that that's what comes to fore because everybody deserves clean water. And everybody as a, as a community deserves to be able to um, have, a, the, the, water should be a basic human right, right? This is kind of what Saturn is asking is how do we rise above uh, the collective and, and rise above the, um, the, the society and see what, uh, what sh- how do we create order? And if only a few benefit from this, uh, like the few maybe wealthiest people, benefit from these deregulations that's something worth rebelling against and i think that we can we're going to see something like that start to play out and i almost guarantee and i didn't have the time to go do all the research for this because this thought just kind of came to me but i almost guarantee if you go back to those dates that i mentioned with the mars uh, neptune square that we may see some of the seeds in the news of this being planted for water water deregulation um so Hopefully something, there's some movement with that because I don't know, as a, as a, uh, as a person who really enjoys our, the beautiful natural resources that we have in America in particular and all over the world, it's just, it's very demoralizing and it's very um, saddening um, to see this, this kind of thing happening. And hopefully it doesn't make a lot of people sick. Uh, the other thing with that is we're seeing in the news is, um, these, these illnesses over in China that are happening as well. So again, uh, associated with toxicity. Um, all right. So little, little uh, Aquarian r- r- rebel, uh, rebellious soapbox over. I don't know. I don't even know if it's a soapbox anymore. These are just basic human rights, aren't they? I mean, who really is in favor of this kind of thing? Who's really in favor of drinking poisoned water? I mean, only people that are living not for, uh, not for tomorrow, people who are just saying, you know what, uh, I'm going to get mine while I can and screw the future. And that's no way to live. Uh, and as a, as a collective, we should, uh, I think, protect some of these resources for the generations to come. You know, that if you want to talk about karma, you want to talk about the actions that we're taking now, creating future karma, if, if you believe in reincarnation and whatnot, it's, it's not like you're going to get away with it <laughs> if you're on the other side of the fence of this. Uh, you, if you are on the uh, quote unquote, I don't know, the oppressor side, potentially in the next life, maybe you're born into that complete poverty where you're going to have to drink out of a infested cesspool, you know? Actually, I hope that's what happens if that's what you're doing. You know, if you're the ones that are the proponents of this. Uh, sorry to be so aggro about it, <laughs> but it's just not fair. And, uh, you know, hopefully we see something as a collective rising up to uh, reject that in particular. Um, so anyway, let's talk about Venus. Let's talk about Venus. Yeah, <laughs> Moving into the third deck again where it has exaltation and is in the face of Mars. Let's talk about Venus. Okay. Um, Venus in the third decan of Pisces. So it's moved, it's moving away from its conjunction with Neptune. All right, let me, sh- let me show you the card here. We've got uh, the 10 of cups where we see two figures 
who are in this very idealized setting. Uh, and idealism is something that's very uh, prevalent in this particular card. We've got the happy family. This was called, this, this Deccan um, was called uh, perfected success in the book of Toth. Austin Coppett calls it a cup of blood due to the um, willingness to make sacrifices for what we believe in. Um, this is a Mars World Deccan. So this is where you're kind of willing to go all the way in search of your ideals. And that is one of the, the beauty of this Deccan. That is one of the beautiful things. And it's also one of the dangers of this Deccan is um, martyrdom. This Deccan was associated with becoming the martyr. So be careful not to become a martyr, particularly in your relationships with Venus being there. Uh, it also is, is housing the degree of Venus's exaltation. So 27 degrees Pisces is where Venus has its exaltation is at its very strongest. It's very, it's most honored. So sometimes we, you may, there may be uh, honors for the sacrifice that we make to, to create harmony within the world. Um, but this is also where we may have uh, the quality of hope may be at its greatest. Uh, there could also be uh, misplaced hope. There may be hope in things that are not necessarily able to be manifested on the physical realm. This is where we're, we're so in touch with our spiritual selves that we may not be realistic about how to manifest it. So that's the other thing to keep in mind. Um, but we could also see some, some happy endings, so to speak, in, in some, in the, maybe in the Pisces ruled area of our life where we see the completion of something. This was, this was uh, said to be one of the, uh, endings of the zodiacal cycle now it's it's not it's a circle so it, it keeps on being reborn but this is kind of the end of winter moving into the the spring solstice where there's new birth and new growth on the earth so we've got the the merging uh the melting of all the the metaphorical ice and the merging of water and the earth to create a, a new fertility so that may be something we see with venus moving into this particular decan at five uh, a.m. on Thursday the 30th. So we may have a, a rebellious spirit that is rejecting something, but is also potentially connecting with a more spiritual ideal. And maybe that spiritual ideal is that everybody deserves clean water, right? And uh, I don't think that that's necessarily too much to ask, but with the current state of the world, um, we got a long ways to go to make that a reality. All right, let's look at the weekend. Friday, the 31st, the moon is moving from Aries into Taurus at 7.27 p.m., moving through its crescent phase. The moon is going to be moving into its exaltation where it has triplicity rulership as well. Uh, and this is where we see some of the conflict happening with um, Pluto and Saturn from the sun. Okay, so here we have a square between Saturn in Capricorn and Pluto in Capricorn with the moon in Aries at the very end of the sign. Okay, so this is a, an activation point for that Saturn-Pluto conjunction. And remember, Saturn and Pluto are still within that three degrees of flowing forth. This was one of the terms, Hellenistic terms, where what, what we have the conjunction and then we have the, the karma kind of uh, presenting itself to us in the physical reality. And there may be something that, that comes up between the Aries ruled area of your chart, your, your desire to bring something uh, into its spring 
or into something new and to assert your own martial will with the necessity of uh, letting go of that deep reorganization and that deep sense of entropy that we're experiencing with Saturn and Pluto in the Capricorn ruled area of your chart. So just keep an eye on that on Friday. There's that could be Friday could be a little bit of a challenging day. Uh, there is a sextile between the moon and that newly ingressed uh, Mercury into the third decan of Aquarius. So this could be something where uh, your desire to really leave something behind or leave an, an old belief system or an old ideal behind is ignited by the moon in Aries and some sort of new um, driven or some new drive that you feel that you're very passionate about. So this could be a very passionate combination. And then the day starts to kind of calm down as the moon moves into Taurus later on in the evening. All right. If we look at the weekend, a couple interesting things happening on the weekend. Thank you for sticking with me here. This is this is fun. I'm trying to incorporate some new things into the forecast and not just this is the Aquarius kind of energy playing out, not getting just just going through the motions, right? Um, so let's look at Saturday. So Saturday, February first. February starts off with the with a first quarter uh, moon in the evening of Saturday. So we're going to be kind of waxing to that first quarter conflict, okay? And uh, the moon is going to make a conjunction as it, as it first moves into Taurus with Uranus. So there may be some kind of unexpected thing that, you, that is triggering this ongoing square between the sun and Uranus and Mercury and Uranus. So there may be some really like, you know, something that you're rejecting when it comes to your resources maybe maybe causing some sort of conflict okay so that's gonna be very early in the morning on saturday then the moon will be making its square to the sun which is of course called the first quarter moon uh, at 8 41 p.m and then this the moon will be making a trine to jupiter in uh, capricorn at 11 11 p.m 11 11 make a wish right that's it's like the the open portal and new age circles i guess uh, which is kind of cool. I mean, it, it does look like an open channel on some on some level. Um, two other things happening that I wanted to talk about on Saturday. The first thing is that Mercury is going to be making its appearance as an evening star emerging from under the beams. Now, why does it why is it called the evening star? Well, I'm going to show you this real quick just so you can kind of get the idea uh, generally this means that mercury is is separating 15 degrees away from the sun okay so here we can see that the now this may not be the exact 15 degrees i believe this i don't know exactly what time this happens this happens roughly about 5 p.m on saturday evening um, I'm showing you this chart of the morning. Uh, actually, I'm going to show you the chart of the evening. That makes more sense than this one. Okay. Let's put the sun on the descendant. This is where the sun is setting. Oh, there. That's perfect. That's perfect. Because now we can see that there is a perfect, uh, at 530 or so, there's a perfect 15 degrees of separation between the sun and Mercury. And 
this is the first time in a few weeks here that we are able to see Mercury in the night sky as the sun sets because it emerges from the beams. The sun sets it, sends its beams in 15 degrees of each direction and blinds out anything that is near it in the zodiac. Um, and now Mercury will be visible again. It'll be out of that weakened condition of being under the sun's beams. And this was said to be an, a, a condition of phasis or an omen that is speaking especially loud. Okay, so this may be something where in the Aquarian ruled area of your chart, there is a, a, some sort of omen that you should pay very close attention to. Uh, if you have any planets near 27 degrees of fixed signs, this could be triggering those planets as well. Um, and this is going to be, you know, pretty, there's a pretty, there's still a, a, a sextile between Mars there. So that, that may be a player in the conversation. Saturn's going to be providing resources for this, so that's also a player in the conversation. And the moon is going to be squaring this eventually too. So all of these houses are in the narrative of this omen that is speaking. But just pay particular attention of the Aquarius uh, house of your chart and what is emerging, what new idea is coming to light, what kind of thing that has been gestating for a few weeks um, since the Kazemi that happened on January 10th at 20 degrees of uh, Capricorn is now coming to light and coming into visibility. Okay, so that's something to, to consider with Mercury emerging from under the beams. The other thing that we see on Saturday is Mars is moving into a new decan. Mars is moving into the third decan of, of Sagittarius at 20 to, 20 to 30 degrees here. Okay, and this was uh, associated with the Ten of Wands. I'll show you the card here. Okay, I'm going to stop my share for just a second. Here's the Ten of Wands. This shows a man, uh, a figure, holding a large bundle of, of sticks or wands, you know, kind of with his head down and just kind of trying to carry the load. This was the song, uh, this song, <laughs> this celestial song was called Oppression. You know, like, so, I'm sorry, get a little punchy here at the, uh, the last little balsamic phase of this moon here. Um, this was a, also called the horse's skull by Austin Kopic and 36 faces. And this is where, you know, we had the, the merging of the body and the spirit in the second decade. And now we're, we're, we're riding that vehicle, that chariot, that, uh, that horse's body to exhaustion. And this is a Saturn ruled Deccan. So the, the, this is uh, when we have a, a, a planet in the face of another planet, it takes on the appearance of that planet, the mask of that planet. So Mars is going to be taking on the mask of Saturn. So it's got, it's one malefic taking on the appearance of another, where that could be difficult. That could be where we have Mars kind of our willpower comes uh, face to face with our limitations right? Uh, our ability to move forward and to keep marshalling our, our energy is uh, we, are, we are really digging in and trying to drive towards completion. I like the phrase barn eager with this. Barn eager is where you're, you're on a long journey and you finally get that little push of energy towards the end. Horses were said to get barn eager when they recognized their surroundings after a long journey and they got a little pep in their step to, to make it back home. And you may be feeling that with the, the Sagittarian area of your chart with Mars there. Um, you just have to be careful that you don't overdo it. This is a very easy 
uh, aspect, or this is a very pos easy position in the zodiac for, for getting burnt out. Um, so just pay attention to your energy levels. Uh, this is a trial of endurance, right? With Mars being in a Saturn ruled face there uh, of your willpower, the triumph of spirit over matter. Um, it could be that, that your spirit coming at the expense of the body. So just be, be, like I said, be cautious about how you're marshalling your energy and your resources. You may have to be a little bit, uh, you may have to pace yourself a little bit as Mars moves through that last decade. Um, I remember when the sun was moving through this, or, or, I don't know if it was the sun uh, or Mercury. I think it was Mercury. I think when Mercury was moving through this last decade, um, my daughter had like final exams and she was like having to like pull all-nighters to get you know to study and write all these papers and stuff like that so that that's the kind of energy where you're just like you got it you just have to get it done due to necessity right um so just something to be aware of it with mars moving into that third decade on sunday the second let's just get through the rest of our day here um, sunday the second uh moon will still be in taurus in the first quarter phase uh, it's going to be making a sextile to Neptune. So again, now we have uh, Earth bringing some sort of maybe some stability to that um, or something into manifestation that is related to that Venus-Neptune uh, aspect that we were experiencing. So this could be where we see something coming into form uh, after we had this, the idealized seed. So you might want to keep your eye out for something manifesting physically that is reflective of that Venus-Neptune conjunction. Uh, that's at 5.29 a.m. Then we have a, a series of sextiles and trines where the moon is going to be trining Pluto uh, and then sextiling Venus and then trining Saturn. So this is a very uh, water and earth type of day. So Sunday may be where we're starting to see some of the fruits of our labors, where we may be actually taking physical action or dealing with, potentially dealing with the physical ramifications of our dream that is, is uh, associated with Venus and Neptune here in Pisces. Uh, so keep your eyes out for that. The other, the other non-lunar aspect of the day, or the last aspect we'll talk about here, is Venus is going to be making a sextile to Pluto at about 23 degrees, okay, at 2.07 a.m., very early in the day. And that's a supportive aspect. Um, this is something where the vision... The, your idealism, your sense of hope may be able to help move you past some of the issues that have come up with the Saturn-Pluto conjunction. You may actually get some assistance from, some, from uh, a, a woman in your life or some female type of uh, uh, energy, um, Venus being the natural significator of women. And, and sometimes when we see a, a positive aspect between planets and Venus, you get some help from some sort of uh, maternal figure in your life or some sort of feminine figure in your life. So be on the lookout for that too. That could be a manifestation of this. Uh, Venus Pluto uh, talks about, Ren Butler in his book, his really great book, The Archetypal Universe, talks about deep, intense passion. Uh, and with Venus moving through the third decan of Pisces, we could be sacrificing our ideals. And that is meeting the third decan of Capricorn where it meets the, the underbelly of power. Remember, the third decan of Capricorn was about solar-Saturn uh, solar power because it's the solar-ruled face, and we're talking about administering our, our authority. So there could be some kind of uh, idealism about how we are 
administering our reality and, and being our own authority figure. Um, this also could talk a little bit about some jealousy or possessiveness, regeneration in love. This could be a very cathartic moment, okay, with, with, with uh, Venus-Pluto bringing up things from the depths to be dealt with in a and hopefully maybe harmonizing it so a little bit. There could be control issues within relationships. Um, you can think of this as Aphrodite visiting the underworld or Persephone uh, visiting the underworld or visiting Hades. If you're not familiar with that story, Persephone had to spend uh, half the year, or she was tricked basically into spending half the year with Hades in the underworld. Uh, so this may be one of uh, Persephone's journeys to the underworld where she's spending time with, with Hades. Okay, um, so just be careful of that. It's, it is a sextile, so this is more of a, a harmonious aspect between these two. But again, if you're wanting to trace back uh, some of these cycles, I want you to go back and look at when Venus made its conjunction with Pluto. Okay, so look at this here. And you can get kind of a, a, a little bit of an insight. There we go, right around here right around December 12th. This is where, the, where the, the start of something happened, of that Venus-Pluto cycle that is now coming to a supportive sextile. And eventually we'll come to a square, the Venus-Pluto square in Aries. Okay, boom. All right, so start, start tracking that, all right? Um, okay, I think that's what I've got for this particular week. Uh, looking ahead, Venus will be, we're, we're going to have a number of planets losing some dignity. Uh, Mercury is going to be moving into its, its, both its fall and its exile in Pisces. Um, so clear up all the mercurial details this week while Mercury is still, while you're still able to think clearly because it'll be much more difficult the week after. Venus will be sextiling Saturn. Uh, Mercury will be making a positive sextile with Uranus. Venus will be losing all that great dignity and moving into its exile in Aries. So it, it's a great time to do Venus and Mercury things this week before uh, the tide and the weather changes and not for the better. It's get, getting more difficult. Um, then we'll have a full moon um, on Sunday the 9th with the moon and Leo opposing uh, that, that sun in Aquarius 3. So that's what I've got for this week. If you are enjoying these videos, thank you for your support. Make sure that you like down there. That really helps the visibility of my videos on the channel. Share it with your friends. If you're not a subscriber, I would love to have you subscribe. That, that's always very helpful as well. Um, and if you want to support future episodes of the weekly forecast, there is a Venmo link that you can make a donation or a PayPal me. That always helps out a lot too. That'll free me up to, to put more hours into an to this and, and to uh, make the, the, um, the show a little bit richer with details and, and stories and research and all of those things. So that's what I've got for this week. And I hope that you're having a wonderful day and I will talk to you soon. Take care, everyone. Peace.